Joseph, when 17 years of age, was pasturing the flock with his brothers while he was still a youth, along with the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought back a bad report about them to their father. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his sons because he was the son of his old age, and he made him a very colored uh, tunic. And his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, and so they hated him and could not speak to him on friendly terms. Then Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. And he said to them, Please listen to the dream which I have had. For behold, we were binding sheaves in the field, and lo, my sheave rose up and also stood erect. And behold, your sheaves gathered around and bowed down to my sheep. Then his brothers said to him, Are you actually going to reign over us? Are you really going to rule over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. Now he had still another dream and related it to his brothers and said, Lo, I have had still another dream. And behold, the sun and the moon and eleven stars were bowing down to me. And he related it to his father and to his brothers. And his father rebuked him and said to him, What is this dream you've had? Shall I and your mother and your brothers actually come to bow ourselves down before you to the ground? And his brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the saying in mind. So, these are the records of the generations of Jacob. And we focus on Joseph. Now, um, how did Joseph's brothers feel about uh, their brother? They hated him. They hated him. Why? That's one thing. You know, his father favored him. And what especially showed that their father favored him? That tunic. It was just a badge of how much the father, you know, Jacob favored Joseph. Jacob shows everybody with this tunic that Jacob's his, or that Joseph's his favorite son. Now, what do you think about that? What would Jacob have known about family favoritism? <laughs> he knew it firsthand from his own parents. Yes, because in his family, who did his father favor? Esau. Esau and his mother, him. He ends up doing the very same thing in his family that his parents had done. You see a lot of times in the Bible and in real life, the parents' attitudes emerging in the children. It's a typical pattern. And it turns what you might think of as normal sibling rivalry into deadly hatred. Not a good idea for parents to favor one child over another. In fact, it's interesting the pattern that this follows. The favoritism with Isaac and Rebekah and with Jacob. Think about what happens. The favoritism in both cases led to conflict, which led to the separation of the favored brother from the other or others in a foreign land, which led later to be re being reunited and later an account of their burying their father together. So you see the same pattern 
with Jacob and Esau that you see with Joseph and his brothers, and for the very same reason, parental favoritism. Yes. And even, and even kind of with Ishmael and Isaac. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. Because who became the favorite in that family? Isaac. Isaac. And that led to separation, conflict, separation, and eventually to coming back together and burying the father. That's exactly right. Good point. So, you know, you kind of see these trends, kind of family patterns, because the family doesn't change much. Were there some other factors in the brothers hating Joseph? He gave a bad report. Yeah, what would we call that? He tattled on them. He told Daddy about whatever misbehavior had gone on when they were out pasturing the uh, flock. And that didn't sit well with his brothers, as you might well imagine. After all, he's younger than all of these brothers. Only Benjamin is younger than him, but quite a bit younger. So probably not a factor at this point. Um, is there any other reason for the favoritism? Those dreams. What did he dream? Basically, what were the dreams saying? Others would be bowing. His brothers would be bowing down to him. His brothers and parents would bow down to him. That's what the dreams seem to be saying. Two of them. You might think about the twiceness of that in connection with Pharaoh's dream in 41-32, where Joseph will interpret that by saying, now as for the repeating of the dream to Pharaoh twice, it means that the matter is determined by God and God will quickly bring it to bound. I wonder if the double dream here isn't for the same reason. And this, these are God that's giving him these dreams. I don't know whether it was smart for him to tell them or not, but the brother's attitudes toward them were wrong, certainly. So how old is, is Joseph at this point? 17. Now it's interesting. Joseph will live with his father for 17 years before he's sold as a slave. Do you know how long they have after Jacob and Joseph are reuni reunited back together before Jacob dies? 17 years. So Jacob and Joseph are together for Joseph's first 17 years and for Jacob's last 17 years. For whatever that's worth, it's just kind of interesting because they get back together when Jacob was 130 and he lives to be 147. Comments and questions on these 11 verses. Twelve to 17. Well, let me ask this real sure. quick. Do you fault Joseph at all for revealing the dreams? I mean, you could argue he's just fueling the fire here by having to make these dreams public. It'd be one thing to have the dream and keep it to yourself. <clears throat> I mean, I think I could see it either way. I don't have a strong feeling. I think I slightly lean toward saying it was fine for him to tell them. Mm -hmm. But I, you could make an argument either way. I don't know. Somebody have a strong reason for seeing that one way or the other? Well, you gotta think about how, like, he wore, he obviously wore the coat, which. <laughs> 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 like, you don't know, you don't know what his attitude 
attitude was if he was like showing it off or just you know wearing it because his dad gave it to him and so same kind of thing yeah again I think you could see that either way I'm not inclined to see that as a problem I mean, it was a problem, but I'm not inclined to see that he had <laughs> done wrong by doing that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't know. What do you do if you're the favored child? I and mean, that's kind of a it's kind of a bad position to be in. You know, I mean, it's not uncommon to see one child favored over another. I see that in the U.S. I see that in Brazil. You know who usually turns out the worst when one child is favored over the other? The favorite one. That's not true in this case, thank God. But a lot of times, the parents do a more, the greater injustice with the favorite child. You know, and of course, that's obviously not what the parents are trying to accomplish. In this case, it did not seem to hurt Joseph. You know, morally, spiritually, etc., that he was favored. That may be another sign of Joseph's good character, because a lot of favored children would be spoiled rotten and would never be able to go through what Joseph went through. Other thoughts? All right, 12 to 17. And his brethren went to feed their father's flock in Shechem. And Israel said to Joseph, Do not thy brethren feed the flock in Shechem? Come, and I will send thee unto them. And he said to him, Here am I. <coughs> And he said to him, Go, I pray thee, see whether it be well with thy brethren, and well with the flocks, and bring me word again. So he sent him out of the vale of Hebron, and he came to Shechem. And a certain man found him, and behold, he was wandering in the field. And the man asked him, saying, What seekest thou? And he said, I seek my brethren. Tell me, I pray thee, where they feed their flocks. And the man said, They are departed hence, for I heard them say, Let us go to Dothan. And Joseph went after his brethren, and found them in Dothan. Okay. So, Joseph's brothers are pasturing the flock a long ways away. And Jacob's worried about them, concerned for them. So, he sends Joseph to check on them. Where were they initially? Bethel. No. Shechem. Shechem. What do you remember last about Shechem? Kind of yeah, doesn't have a good memory for us, does it? But they'd actually gone farther away still. They'd gone up toward Dothan. And, um, you know, so that means uh, probably about 65 miles away. It's a long ways. So you had to go a long distance checking on them. Um... And uh, he was in uniform, we find out. <laughs> you know, which is kind of like wearing a red flag in front of a bull. <laughs> you know, I mean, wow. You just, you just, even, even now, I don't think it's said yet that he's wearing the coat, but if you knew that, and you know he's going up there to check on his brothers, you wonder what kind of trouble there's likely to be. That wasn't a very smart idea on Jacob's part to send Joseph to check on the brothers. You know, maybe he'd never realized what was going on in the family. All right, questions or comments to this point? Well, 18 to 28. When they saw him from a distance, 
And before he came close to them, they plotted against him to put him to death. And they said to one another, Here comes this dreamer. Now then, come and let us kill him and throw him into one of the pits. And we will say, A wild beast devoured him. Then let us see what will become of his dreams. But Reuben heard this and rescued him out of their hands and said, Let us not take his life. Reuben further said to them, Shed no blood. Throw him into that, this pit that is in the wilderness, but do not lay hands on him, that he might rescue him out of their hands to restore him to his father. So it came about when Joseph reached his brothers that they stripped Joseph of his tunic, the very colored tunic that was on him, and they took him and threw him into the pit. Now the pit was empty without any water in it. Then they sat down to a meal, and as they raised their eyes and looked, behold, a caravan of Ishmaelites was coming from Gilead, with their camels bearing aromatic gum and balm and myrrh, on their way to bring them down to Egypt. And Judah said to his brothers, What profit is it for us to kill our brother and cover up his blood? Come and let us sell him to the Ishmaelites, and not lay our hands on him, for he is our brother, our own flesh. And his brothers listened to him. Then some Midianite traders passed by, so they pulled him up and lifted Joseph out of the pit, and sold him to the Ishmaelites for twenty shekels of silver. Thus they brought Joseph into Egypt. Alright, so they saw him coming, and what are they thinking? Perfect opportunity to get rid of him. Yep. We'll kill him. And they actually, what, what issue do they bring up as to the reason for their anger? The dream. And what are they thinking about these dreams? They're going to put an end to them. <laughs> it's not, you know, we're, nobody's going to bow down to him when he's dead. You know, we'll see what happens with these dreams. <clears throat> Little did they know they were actually helping fulfill these dreams and what they end up doing in this story. Isn't that amazing? Now, you know, doesn't it seem pretty extreme? You know, plotting to kill him later, they decide just to sell him as a slave instead. Uh, how do you account? I mean, I know they're, they're, they hate him, they're angry with him. But I don't know. Does this not seem a little radical? And again, Simeon and Levi went and slaughtered the whole town. So. Good point. <laughs> they're kind of violent folks. Well, it says later, you know, well, we shouldn't kill him. He's he's really of our own family. But yet they didn't see him probably as a part of the family. They saw him as, as you know, segmented. Yes, you're right. You know, all this deal with different mothers, that's, that's a factor. They've been hating him for a long time. It's built up the resentment, the bitterness. I'll tell you something else. Do you suppose that they're all being together? They kind of whip each other up into a frenzy. I mean, you know, you kind of plotting together may have made it worse than if they'd have, you'd have met one of them by themselves. You know, you kind of almost give, you know, boldness to each other to do these things. And they're already planning their cover story. What are they going to do? Say that a beast killed him. Yeah, we'll just say a wild beast killed him. That's pretty malicious. 
to already decide how they're going to explain it to their father. I mean, the hatred will cause people to do things that, you know, are just, wow. Um, notice 42.21. We don't find this out for several chapters, but I wanted to throw this in here. Then they said to one another, Truly we're guilty concerning our brother because we saw the distress of his soul when he pleaded with us. Yet we would not listen. Therefore this distress has come upon us. We don't get that detail here. You can imagine it. I mean, surely Joseph doesn't just, you know, say, Okay, go ahead and kill me or go ahead and sell me or go ahead and throw me into the pit. He's begging them for mercy and they don't listen. Wow. They really hated him. Now, why do they not kill him? Reuben intercedes. Yeah, Reuben said, oh, you know, let's not kill him. Why does Reuben say, let's not kill him? He's planning on taking him back. He is going to secretly rescue him. Which is interesting. He obviously didn't have the same attitude as the other brothers had. Wonder why. Maybe he was the second favorite. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Benjamin was the second favorite. Yeah, I think so. Why would Reuben? have had a different attitude than the others. Come I was on. thinking maybe he's trying to win back his inheritance. You wonder if he hadn't, you know, messed up bad enough, he sure doesn't want to get in any worse trouble. Uh, I think that could be a possibility. What else? He's the oldest. Maybe he feels a greater sense of responsibility to protect his younger brother. Maybe there are other factors, but those two have come to my mind. So he says, let's just throw him in a pit. It's kind of like Reuben got on the train to try to control it and to prevent a catastrophe. I think he had a good motive, but that didn't usually work very well. You know, when he goes this far, well, he ends up being gone when they sell him. He didn't even realize it. You know, but it's, it's probably not the best approach. But I do think he had a good motive. I mean, he at least didn't want to kill him. And uh, interestingly, Joseph will later find that out when the brothers are talking between themselves and they think, you know, Joseph doesn't understand, you know, Hebrew. Um, so they've got Joseph in the pit and what do they decide to do? He's making money off this. Eat. Yeah. And who comes up with a bright idea? Judah. Yeah, well first, just think about this though. They sit down to eat a meal? Hadn't diminished their appetite, has it? Probably hard work. <laughs> I don't know. No, I'll tell you what I really think. I can't prove this. Do you know what I think? Think about it. Wonder why they might have eaten a meal right here. Because they needed some blood. That too. <laughs> Celebrating. I got another. I got another idea. I may this this. I can't prove it. But I bet when I say it, you'll agree. <laughs> I doubt it. <laughs> Except for you. What do you think about this whole scenario? I wonder why this was an appropriate time to sit down and eat a meal. 
lunchtime. Well, that too. Well, remember what the overall context is here. Why did the eleven brothers, why are they together right here? But why are the eleven together right here? It wasn't, they were just, they were in ten. What's happened? There were ten of them pasturing the sheep. Right? Right. How'd the eleventh one show up? Yes. Oh, he brought food. I bet you anything. Jacob sent him with food and stuff for his brothers, a care package or whatever. That could be wrong, but we sure would do that. So, I mean, that makes even more sense of that to me. You know, they're eager to devour the goodies that, that Joseph would have brought them. I, well, I certainly wouldn't stake my life on that, but it, it makes a lot of sense to me. <laughs> Neither would Joseph. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. <laughs> so was that maybe a part of his pleading then? Was to share some of the? I, well, I don't know about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know. But as they're sitting there eating, you know, this caravan of Ishmaelite slash Midianite traders. Those terms perhaps are even used interchangeably in Judges eight twenty four. They seem to be. Um, there's some other possibilities, but at any rate, they seem to be the same group. Um, you know, Judah's like, well, hey, you know, we're not going to get anything out of it. We just kill him. You know, and after all, he's our brother. Uh, so, why don't we sell him? We'll make money. And so they do. 20 shekels of silver. You know, might as well get something out of him. Two apiece. Yeah. <laughs> Good point, yeah. Get our two shekels worth out of this uh, pesky brother. You know, doesn't it almost look like a godsend? You know, here these guys come along just at the right time. Circumstances are no guide to what's right. The Lord may have sent them about that time, you know, but certainly it doesn't prove that, that it's the right thing for them to have done. Comments or questions about this? I was just thinking, Gary, uh, you can really see a lot of uh, comparisons between Jesus and Joseph in that. I mean, there's an unbelievable amount of comparisons, but uh, just one that uh, hit me that I hadn't thought about before, but we mentioned, you know, that their family was segmented and sort of divided, so, uh, you know, by, by mothers, and so I thought it was interesting that they're all united in the common goal to get rid of Joseph and thinking about the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the Herodians and you know they were all at odds with one another but they were unified in their common goal of wanting to get rid of Jesus and I just thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah, at the sometime along I'm going to do a deal I do on who am I and go through some of the parallels. It is incredible. The more you think about it, wow, Joseph was a shadow of Jesus if there ever was one. And, uh, you know, the more I've, I've thought, you know, it's like, wow, they're everywhere. It's really cool. Uh, it really shows you a lot of the design of God in the Bible. Other thoughts? Uh, verse 23, um, when it talks about the robe, and earlier when it talked about the robe that he's wearing, mine says, instead of colorful, it says long sleeves. I've never seen that before, but... That's confusing. Well, 
The fact is, we're not re we're not really sure what that term means. Oh, okay. So, like, how do you get that? It's a special. It's a special code, a special tunic. Okay. But I think the consensus now might be it means long sleeve or something like that, rather than very colored. It's one of those deals where there's not enough context to tell us. It's not a word that's often used in Hebrew that we found. So we're really not sure. Okay. Doesn't matter when it's all said and done. Does kind of you know. You've always grown up imagining the psychedelic, you know, tunic. So uh, you know, it'd be kind of bad if it was just long sleeve. But but the point is, it's the symbol of the favoritist. They did a whole Broadway show on <laughs> that's true. Yeah. So it's got to be. Ah, gotta rewrite it. Yeah. <laughs> you can think it's many colored if you like. I don't know. Maybe. Other thoughts? All right, 29 to 35. Now Reuben returned to the pit, and behold, Joseph was not in the pit, so he tore his garments. He returned to his brothers and said, The boy is not there. As for me, where am I to go? So they took Joseph's tunic and slaughtered a male goat and dipped the tunic in the blood. And they sent the very colored tunic and brought it to their father and said, We found this. Please examine it to see whether it is your son's tunic or not. Then he examined it and said, It is my son's tunic. A wild beast has devoured him. Joseph has surely been torn to pieces. So Jacob tore his clothes and put sackcloth on his loins and mourned for his son many days. And then all the sons and all his daughters arose to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted, and he said, Surely I will go down to Sheol in mourning for my son. So his father wept for him. Alright. Reuben gets back, it's like, oh no. What are we gonna say? What are we gonna do? Well they got the plan. What do they do? What they had planned earlier. Yes. Which is pretend uh, the beast eating now they they do it upright. What do they do? Put blood on it. Kill a goat and dip Joseph's tunic in the goat's blood. Why do they do that? It looks like he got eaten. Yeah, it looks like he bled all over his coat. Now, isn't it ironic that they deceive their father? with their brother's clothing and a goat because Jacob had deceived his father with his brother's clothing and goat skin. Remember that? Sort of gets what's coming to him. And, and I, wow, these guys are good at putting on a facade. They come and they say, we know we found this coat. But what do they say? Examine it to see if it's your son's. Yes, yeah, see if see if this is Joseph's or not. They don't say we found Joseph's tunic like this. You know, because the power of suggestion is greater than the power of explanation. You know, they let Jacob draw his own conclusions. But but they say it in a way that that tells you something. What do they say that's not quite I don't know, not quite what you'd expect. What do they call it? Your son. Your son's tunic. What would you expect of them to say? 
brother. Our brother's tunic. It's your son's tunic. Who does that remind you of? In the Bible? Several people, but starting with Adam. <laughs> oh, Cain? No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so I said several. several. She said I'm not my brother's keeper. You, you'll, you know. Was it in Genesis? No, 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 no. Oh. Uh, in Luke. Brother. Yes. Mm. Remember, the, your when your son, he doesn't say my brother. This son of yours, the way he says it in American Standard. You know, disowning the brotherhood. You know, obviously, if it's Jacob's son, it's got to be their brother. <laughs> but they don't call him that. I think that just shows you their degree of of animosity toward him. Well. What does Jacob think? Well, my mom refers to me like that sometimes to my dad. <laughs> oh, that might tell you something. She probably doesn't do that when you've done something really nice. No. Yeah, I thought so. Yeah. So what does Jacob think? Surely a wild beast has torn him to pieces. And he never thinks about that fact again. That's the way it is. He he just, it's it's a fact. You know, here's the evidence. A wild beast killed him. That's all there is to it. His beloved son is gone. And how does he react? He cannot be comforted. He mourns and mourns and mourns and mourns for days, weeks, months, years. They try to comfort him and they could not. What do you think about that? Maybe they're kind of upset with themselves now because now they have to deal with this. <laughs> and, and just what can they say? Dad's not happy, nobody's happy. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> well, especially when you're the reason he's not happy. You know, what can they say? Uh, Dad, we're pretty sure he's not really dead. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you know, they're kind of stuck. Be like, maybe he got away. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> you know. We can't exactly bring him back to prove that, because that wouldn't be good either. <laughs> it's kind of like the Emperor's New Groove. That'd really be awkward, wouldn't it? <laughs> he returned. <laughs> You know, the people who carry with them the guilt of unforgiven sin will be the first to believe in the worm that does not die and the fire that's not quenched. Think about how horrible this was. I mean, this just, you know, the fact that you can't comfort him, the fact that he never gets over it. You know, would they have ever done this if they'd have known how their father would have reacted? Although I must say, there would have been some brothers that that would have just made them increasingly more angry. Because clearly the fact that nobody comforts him because it's Joseph that died is certainly a sign that he had a special attachment to Joseph. But I think we'll see later this just convicts them and makes them feel horrible and they can't do anything about it. Comments and questions?
So 36, meanwhile the Midianites sold him in Egypt to Potiphar, Pharaoh's officer, the captain of the bodyguard. <laughs> kind of ironic, isn't it? While Jacob's mourning his deceased son, the Midianites are selling the living boy to Pharaoh's chief bodyguard, the Potiphar. And uh, kind of reminds you of what's going to happen to the whole family eventually. They're going to go down to Egypt and be enslaved. That's what happens to Joseph. Comments or questions? Now, what would you expect the next chapter to tell about? Joseph and Potiphar. Of course, but there's a break in the action to tell a whole different story. Do you know this chapter? It tells about what? Judah. And Judah's daughter-in-law and their misbehavior. Some rather bad scenes here of Judah and his family. Now. You wonder why was this chapter put here? Maybe we can answer that question better at the end of it. But, uh, you know, the, the organization of these books has a purpose. And to interrupt the Joseph story right here, right when it gets good, <laughs> you know, at least you want to know what's going to happen. To tell this wholly unrelated story about Judah and his family makes you scratch your head. Do you have any ideas? All right, I'll give you three. <laughs> Maybe all of these are a factor. One thing, this is probably the least important. Doesn't this kind of increase the suspense of wondering what's happening with Joseph? Maybe there's a little bit of purpose in that. Um, another thing, the next story about Joseph is going to talk about his high moral standards and refusing Mrs. Potiphar, you know, whereas this is going to show Judah's low standards, you know, and there's some other parallels between the stories. Maybe this kind of really makes the Joseph's purity story stand out by contrast. But here's what I think the most important thing, most important function of this story because, and maybe you put it here because it's hard to interrupt the story anywhere else to put this, is when you see what's happening with Judah's family because of the influence of a Canaanite wife, Canaanite people, you see why God wants to get this family out of Canaan. You see that bringing Joseph to Egypt is the first step in bringing this family out of a place where they get stay there much longer, God's not going to be able to work with them and bring anything good out of them. So I think this may be kind of showing the reason why God planned for Joseph to go to Egypt so that eventually the family could go to Egypt because they're not doing very well morally in the land of Canaan. You can think about all that, and maybe as we go through this, some of that you can evaluate.
Comments or questions? Okay. 38. Uh, let's start with 1 to 5. <coughs> <coughs> it came about at that time that Judah departed from his brothers and visited a certain 